because snowboarding is a newer sport than skiing. And it kind of had that rebellious start to it. You know, it's kind of seen as the anti-establishment one. You know, skiing wasn't cool and snowboarding was the cool rebellious thing. So skiers are like lifelong lesson takers. So they have that continuous improvement mindset, but it just wasn't quite present in snowboarding. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, trying to help you find adventure every day in any stage of life. You're going to hear from explorers, adventurers, business owners, and anyone living their life a little more out of the box than usual. So after Fraser Johnston watched a movie as a kid, he, he fell in love with snowboarding. Um, but being in Scotland, he wasn't able to actually ride that much. So about once a year when he was able to, he, he really enjoyed it and would watch tons of videos uh, to make sure he's ready when he did get out on the slopes. Eventually led to him moving halfway around the world to British Columbia, where we catch up with him today to hear how uh, his new endeavor called Watch and Ride has been going, where you learn to snowboard virtually. And if you know anything about the skiing and snowboarding world, it uh, it can't be very expensive. So his lessons and his training is unbelievably affordable. And in fact, he wants to offer 50% off memberships to uh, any Adventure Sports podcast listener by using the code AdventureSports at watchandride.com. I really encourage you to check it out, and I hope you enjoy this interview. And yeah, just please check him out. His story's awesome. His ambition, his stoke for his sport is incredible. It just comes across, he comes across as just a wonderful teacher and absolutely thrilled to just share what he loves to do. So, Frazier, thanks for doing this interview again, and yeah, enjoy the episode. Um, today's sponsors are CS Instant Coffee, the makers of 100% Arabica Instant Coffee. Comes in compostable packaging. Check it out at csinstant.coffee. And also Athletic Brewing, the best non-alcoholic craft beer on the planet. I am here to confirm. I've tried a lot and probably not tried them all, but Athletic is by far my favorite. All right, here is the interview. So how, how, how's it going today for you? Yeah, wonderful. I had a super nice morning, a little bit of yoga and some coffee. You can't beat it. How about yourself? I'm still drinking coffee. You might hear me sipping on it time <laughs> to time, but yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's nice you. and cool for the first time in a couple months, honestly. So wh- where are you based as well, Mason? Uh, I'm I'm based in uh, Denver, Colorado, and man, it's been a hot summer. Denver is one of my favorite places in the world, man. Like, um, I spent a bunch of time at Steamboat Springs when I was younger, mm. um, and that's kind of what got me into snowboarding, man. And that's like one of my favorite places in the world. That's awesome. And now, where's home for you? Uh, Scotland originally, so Glasgow. Um, so I came out to Canada just after university when I was about twenty-one, and um, so it's been home ever since. Really? Now, now, where in uh, where in Canada? Uh, so we're based in Kelowna, BC. So it's about four hours interior from Vancouver. Um, so yeah, kind of tucked in in the middle of nowhere, but it's nice. It's gorgeous. Similar weather to Denver, um, like dry and hot. Uh, we can get that kind of desert heat in the, the summertime too. Wow. Well, now that, that's interesting. Why'd, why'd you choose there? Because, you know, it's it's I know where that is just because I've been in that area, but for, for someone from Scotland, that seems a little bit, <laughs> you know, Vancouver is like, oh, let's go there out west. But then it farther than that is, is interesting. Um, super funny. So when I finished university, I looked at doing um, one of these snowboard instructor courses. So you come out for 12 weeks, uh, like your flight, your accommodation, your food's paid for, and you're basically on snow training like Monday to Friday. And I did my level one, my level two, my freestyle qualification. And they said the course was almost like a 12-week a job interview. So I went home that following summer and then they invited me back the following season to come out and work for them. Uh, and that basically started it. Um, I met my now wife out there, or fiance, I should say. Um, so my first year working out there was her first year working out there. And yeah, we met each other, moved in together. And yeah, we've been here ever since. <laughs> wow. So... so- were you familiar with that area before you said you went to Colorado some growing up um 
how does a Scotsman end up out in Western Canada <laughs> in the first place? I, it was so funny. I literally just um, like Googled like snowboard instructor courses. There was a couple options. And so it was between like Big White, Banff. Uh, where was the other one? Ooh, um, it was actually in Keystone, I believe it was, in the States. Mm. And um, Big White, I don't know. It was just weird. Um, had the right vibe to it. And uh, literally just kind of closed my eyes and like rolled the dice and picked one. And it was Big White. Wow, that's awesome. So so you grew up snowboarding? Uh, yes, so it was funny, Mason. I actually learned on, have you ever seen the movie Out Cold? <laughs> no, I actually haven't. <laughs> so no. um, so I, I saw that movie when I was about ooh, 12 or 13. And it got me like, just I thought snowboarding was the coolest thing ever. And then I kind of pestered my mum and I was like, man, I want to take snowboard lessons, want to take snowboard lessons. So we booked them on a like a dry ski slope. I don't know if you've ever seen them. So it's basically like a, a wooden frame structure. And then there's like AstroTurf laid over the top of it and they sprinkle it with water um, to make like that slideable. Uh, so that's actually where I learned and it was like terrible. Like you got friction burns from the AstroTurf, everything like that. And then I remember the first time I actually went on snow, it was in Steamboat Springs and I literally just instantly fell in love with the feeling of snowboarding. Like that first time where you get like the nice edge in the snow and you feel the rebound from the board because you don't quite get the same feeling on the, the dry ski slope. And uh, yeah, it was just instantly hooked after that. Wow. And so, yeah, it seems like a really unlikely place to learn. Honestly, two unlikely reasons. The, the Out Cold movie, I Googled it while you were talking, and <laughs> it's got an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, that was my, my younger 13-year-old self. But yeah, oh, just yeah. kind of like glorified the, the snowboarding culture because the guy was like an instructor. So it was this kind of like, um, you know, bum ski hill town. And they were partying the whole time, snowboarding the whole time. And I was like, man, that looks like a good way to spend your time. <laughs> wow. And so there's there's really no options uh, in Scotland for skiing, are there? Well, so you've got the Kieran Gorms and Abbey Moore. So from my house, it was about ooh, four, four and a half hours. Um, so long journey to get there. And usually the, the season there is terrible. So we get really wet snow. Um, and basically every time I've gone up there, I was just faced with horizontal rain. So I did it a couple of times. And after that, I was just like, nope, never again. <laughs> and then you turn into a bit of like a snow snob being to like, you know, Steamboat, um, Courcheval, Big White, places like that. Um, so yeah, Scotland's great for it, but it's just inconsistent. Wow. So so you'd come back home and be like, yeah, I mean, it just, you, you can't beat some of the places you, you went to, um, I guess on vacation, you know, it's hard to come back and then be happy with what you got back home <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially with the long drive and everything and it was just like okay there's better ways we can spend our time here so, so how did you how did you maintain a love for it being so far and, and and being able to do it so infrequently um good question i guess um uh, you know it's the the usual thing i guess youtube videos you see pros um, it keeps your fire stoked in the summertime or whatever um and then for me it was just always like you know training doing different things and just kind of keeping that excitement so even when I do other sports or I'm in the gym I'm always thinking like how does this apply to my snowboarding how can this make my stance better how does this make my balance better on the board so it's just constantly kind of funneling those things into like a snowboarding mindset wow that that, that is an absolute passion and so, so from you know childhood up to when you actually moved to BC how how often did you actually get to get out there um, so it was probably about once a year I went like with my family and um, so yeah it was like a week a year we went uh, and then the rest of the time it was just practice on the dry ski slope and then in Glasgow they actually opened up like an indoor ski slope so it was like the kind of artificial snow it's basically like you're snowboarding in a big fridge and uh, <laughs> so that was kind of how I kind of kept the passion going and then basically just when I moved out to Canada and um, so my first season out here I was about Ooh, 80 days a year on snow and then when I came back to instruct the following year I hit about 130 and then ever since I've been yeah about 130 days a year on snow yeah so it's been wonderful wow you're really making up for it <laughs> yeah absolutely I think that was the thing yeah my body's just like yeah man we need to get this in as much as we can <laughs> that is so funny now, now moving to western Canada how, how are you perceived to your, to your family did they know this was going to happen or, or did it is it kind of strange for, for someone from Scotland to move out there? 
Uh, <laughs> um, I think my mum my and dad definitely were like, oh man, we're going to miss you moving out. But they've always been so supportive of it. And they're usually out once or twice a year anyway. So Kelowna is amazing in the summertime. Uh, so they get the kind of best of both worlds. They usually come out in the wintertime for a week and ski. And then in the summertime for a week to kind of tour wineries, enjoy the sunshine and the beaches. Oh, perfect then. That's that's fantastic. Mm. So you, you landed there and uh in Kelowna and just just loved it enough to stay around yeah it was incredible so it was actually um Shelby my fiance we were coming towards the end of the season the first year we met and she was like I've heard Kelowna's amazing in the summertime like you know it's like 35 degrees here they've got like gorgeous beaches like mountain biking climbing I'd love to stay for the summer uh, so it was basically me going, okay, like me too, I'm in. <laughs> and then we got a place that year. So moved down from the mountain to Kelowna, uh, which is the town. So Big White's the kind of mountain that's about an hour away. And then we moved down to Kelowna for the summertime, just had an incredible, incredible summer. And then, yeah, that was, it was home since then. Obviously you developed your skills further. And at some point you, you know, started, I don't know if you, do you have a love for teaching in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay. Um, so for me, like uh, I, I taught rugby growing up when I was younger. So did like mini rugby stuff like that because I was at like a rugby school. Um, so kind of got a flavor for coaching there. And then just I remember doing that 12 week instructor program, really kind of diving into the material of it and then just kind of loved seeing people improve and just getting to have a hand in them developing their own potential. So kind of showing them some certain things. And then when you see someone's face light up when they get that new feeling or they feel that new sensation from the board. And, it, you know, they're just like, man, I can use this. This is even more fun. Um, I can do more things. I can explore more of the mountain. And just kind of seeing that passion ignite in other people is kind of really what got me into the teaching side of it. I mean, is there anything better than showing people what you love to do and, and seeing them really get some joy out of it? I mean, that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah, man. It was so cool. And uh, after I got my, my level three and my evaluator certs, I went into the kind of training site. So I actually ended up training the courses that I did when I was like 21. So we got access to these people for 12 to 16 weeks um, and worked them through a kind of system to get them their levels and their freestyle qualification. And it was just so cool being able to see people come and they were like, you know, I'm a confident snowboarder. I've snowboarded for, you know, 10 years. But once you actually got them out on snow for five days a week for 16 weeks, just to see the amount of improvement they had and their confidence expand um, and their creativity expand in the mountain too. It was just such a cool process to be a part of and just see the evolution of them as a rider and a snowboarder. And so from there, you mentioned earlier that, uh, kind of to keep the stoke going in the off season, especially over in Scotland, you, you would watch a lot of videos. Is that one of the reasons you decided to kind of turn teaching virtual? Yeah, for sure. So that definitely had a part to play in it. And even for myself, like, you know, I play a bit of golf and tennis. And um, so I saw a lot of these online training things in other sports, and it just quite hadn't made its way into the ski industry yet. So even when I was usually teaching these instructor training programs and I, I wasn't on like teaching the public. So I was went to public lessons, you know, the busy times of year at the ski school. So like Christmas week, New Year, President's week, things like that. So when I was actually on the public lessons and um, you could see every single ski instructor was booked out. But for some reason, there was like eight snowboard instructors still standing there. And I was like, hmm, what's going on here? Like skiing lessons are definitely a lot more popular than snowboarding lessons. So, you know, started to talk to clients a lot and other people. And the big thing was like, you know, my mom bought me this lesson. My boyfriend bought me this or like my husband. And they're just so expensive. I'm not going to buy another one. So cost was a kind of big limiting factor for people. And also, I think it's because snowboarding is a newer sport than skiing. And it kind of had that rebellious start to, it. you know, it was kind of seen as the anti-establishment one, you know, skiing wasn't cool and snowboarding was the cool rebellious thing. So skiers are like lifelong lesson takers. So they have that continuous improvement mindset, but it just wasn't quite present in snowboarding. So after talking to people, you know, they said the lift tickets, the lessons, the gear, and um, taking a lesson is the last thing on my mind. So 
you know, I've had um, three shoulder reconstructions uh, from playing rugby. Oh, so man. when I was out on the slopes, you know, it was 130 days. Um, I'd done a trick I'd done 100 times and I caught my edge and blew my shoulder out again. And I was sitting there being like, man, there has to be a way to like scale my teaching or scale my time. And I had a marketing internship at the time and we're doing a lot of stuff with video backgrounds and everything and video content. And I was like, man, if I can like capture the system that I'm teaching these people with and make it like easily be followable, a, a nice smooth progression with beginner, intermediate, advanced videos, and then also get them animated to really highlight the points and allow people to track their progress through it so they can watch it at home and then go and practice by themselves or with their friends and family. Uh, we would be on to a winner there. So it makes instruction accessible and affordable for them. So it, it, it kind of stemmed from an injury? Yeah, big time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because um, like that's the big thing with when you're teaching, like, you know, six or seven days a week on snow, by the end of the season, your body's just like destroyed. Um, you know, you're exhausted physically from being out in the cold the whole time. You have to be switched on the whole time, making sure your class is safe, making sure they're engaged, making sure they're learning, making sure they're having fun. Um, so, yeah, it was just that point where I think it was at the end of the season. I was just run down and exhausted. And then, yeah, it was that, you know, it's always the innocuous things or the silly things you do. And it's just boom big injury happens again and you're like man you have to kind of reflect and reassess and you get some downtime to to think about life in the universe yeah and you know i that, that's that's really good point you know anytime your body is really big part of your income it can be pretty stressful if something happens to it oh yeah man because that was the thing i was facing i was like you know if this was the start of the season i would be screwed right now so i thankfully it was at the end of the season and then i had the summer to kind of reflect and think about it and kind of plan out and um, how i wanted to tackle the online solution so what what were some of those kind of thoughts and processes going through your mind like did it adapt a lot from from when you first thought about it or what did you kind of have the idea right away oh for sure well like so I had the the idea right away um but it was kind of the evolution over time of like okay how does this how can we make this effective for people to learn online so it was actually funny when I started building all like the infographics for the back end of the school and um, you know I showed them to like Shelby and then I showed them to like friends and family and then also I found a whole bunch of strangers like on reddit and stuff and uh, the, the thing was like man I'm not an instructor I don't understand any of this so it was so funny so it was just going through that process of okay like um being too close to it it's really easy to go so in depth but then what I've really tried to do is just simplify, simplify, simplify and get it to kind of the, the nice core base where everyone can understand no matter if they've snowboarded for 10 years or they're just picking it up for the first time. So the my kind of sweet spot with the, the teaching was like kind of intermediate and experts. So the first product that was launched was the Master the Mountain series. So that launched in December 2017. So that had beginner, intermediate and advanced videos for people that were already turning. So a lot of the feedback I got when we first launched was, you know, this is awesome, but, you know, I'm stuck on one edge or I've never even snowboarded before. Or I'm struggling to turn. This is a little too advanced for me. So what I did was the season after that, I created the beginner series. So it's basically just a step-by-step -step progression from never seeing a snowboard before to turning. Um, so that kind of really opened up the market for me, gave me the full spectrum of lessons from never seeing a snowboard before uh, to experts. So yeah, it's just been that kind of evolution of listening to customer feedback and getting people trying it, using it, and then just seeing how we can constantly iterate and make it better. How did you start uh, getting the word out originally about about this? So originally it was just kind of, you know, guerrilla, guerrilla marketing, I guess. So it was me because I was still working at the ski schools. So, you know, any kind of clients I had or it was talking with other instructors to say like, hey, like if you have a lesson and, you know, I can give you a coupon code so your client can get a discount and then I'll just do a revenue share deal with you. Uh, so it was doing things like that and then also using, you know, just your typical like Facebook, Instagram. So I have a little series on Instagram called Snowboard Quick Tips or it's like hashtag SB Quick Tips. So that's kind of how I start to get the word out because it's just like short snappy tips under 60 seconds. So that actually drives a lot of our free trial signups. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of base there of how we're getting the word out. And then now for me, it's about looking at 
partnerships with other brands in the industry, manufacturers, or even things like, you know, podcasts like this, just to try and kind of get some eyeballs to the site and up the awareness that you can actually learn online and it is a viable solution compared to like a traditional in-person lesson. Can I ask you this? Because I read somewhere um, that you 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 started this after seeing a real uh, a lack of signups for snowboarding lessons versus skiing lessons. Mm-hmm. Do, do you see skiing like still just being you know really heavily funded versus snowboarding? Yeah, I think that has a big part to do with it. And I also just think it's possibly the demographic of snowboarders too. And I think just skiing being an older sport, um, they have a lot more, it's, it's weird, they just have a lot more focus on the technique of it. Um, and they are lifelong lesson takers, whereas snowboarding, if people are self-taught or friend-taught, usually once they can get down a blue run or a black run, they're like, oh man, I'm pro, I, d- I don't need a lesson. But they're exactly the kind of people that if they did like one or two of the little tactics from the online school, it would completely change their experience and their control on top of their board. Wow. So so, so skiing is kind of like the old school, the old, uh, uh, it's been around, <laughs> yeah. it has, you know, tons of culture and history with snowboarding still this kind of up and coming um yeah, wild still child, a, huh? yeah for sure it's still a a new sport it's got those rebellious roots to it uh-huh. uh, so yeah i think it's just i think the whole industry shifting that way though for sure as more people are becoming aware of snowboarding and getting more access to it especially with a lot more of these like indoor slopes opening up and um, and just you know with these kind of collective passes between some of the mountains and um, it's just allowing snowboarding to start growing again and pick up that momentum i i, I just learned that um one of the fathers of, of snowboarding just passed away recently recently he uh I think it was called the Snurfer originally. Yeah, yeah, super sad. I actually just read that article as well. Oh man, yeah, I think he was out here in uh, Colorado. Mm, but yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the father of snowboarding. I mean, how long skiing been around? Gosh, those oh, fathers passed away a long time ago. <laughs> Big time. And it is cool when you see like how snowboarding first started. Like you know, you see the old straight wooden boards. They have no side cut or no camber to them. So yeah, those guys back in the day, they were they were carving the trail for us. So we want to thank our sponsor, Athletic Brewing, for promoting a healthy lifestyle through making some of the world's best non-alcoholic craft beer. They make excellent tasting NA for healthy, active, modern adults. They use certified all-organic grains, and each can of non-alcoholic beer is only between 50 and 70 calories. They have IPA, golden ale, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings. And recently, they actually just took home the gold medal at the U.S. Open Beer Championships for their Double Hop IPA. If you would like to get your hands on some, you can save 15% by using the code ADVENTURE at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic Brewing, the best tasting way to keep your promises. And I also want to thank our sponsor, CS Instant Coffee, for making this show happen. They make 100% Arabica Instant Coffee. They use compostable packaging, and each package makes about 20 ounces of coffee. So I'll take one of those with me on an overnight trip, and it makes two pretty good-sized cups of coffee. And it's an awesome feeling knowing I can just throw that in my backpack, find some hot water, and I'm good to go. Save 20% by using the code ADVENTURE at csinstant.coffee. When you were putting together this, this, these lessons, um, and knowing that, uh, I mean, do, do you, are there anything else out there like this that you were able to work from, or is this, are you kind of blazing a new trail? So I guess the the most popular one would probably be snowboard addiction. So where I saw it was that's pretty much freestyle focus. So you know how to do a backflip, how to hit a rail. But in my experience talking with clients, they were like, you know, I have work the next day, you know, freestyle isn't really my top priority. I just want to be able to ride the the whole mountain, you know, trees, bumps, steeps and carve well and, you know, be able to have fun with my friends and family and not be like the last one down the hill. So that's the kind of niche I tried to, to carve out for watch and ride. 
So my little system, I call it the five how-tos of snowboarding. So it's basically the five key skills to become like an awesome snowboarder. So it's how to stand. So that's basically your position and balance on the board, what your posture's like, because it's like the foundation of a house. If you don't have that strong foundation, you can't really build any other skills on top. So that how to stand is the first how-to and probably the most important one. Uh, we've got how to how to steer. So that's basically, you know, using your lower body to direct the board. You'll see a lot of people, you know, whipping their upper body around or like kicking their back foot, but it's very inefficient. So if you can actually learn how to use your feet, your knees, your ankles and your hips properly, you can make like bigger turns, smaller turns, and you can really start to control your speed through the turn shape. Uh, how to grip is the third one. So that's basically how to use your edges. So you can lean to get an edge and you can also bend to get an edge. Um, and then basically you can combine both of those movements to really start making some awesome like turn shapes in the snow and really get that smooth pencil line that you always hear people like crave when they're carving. And that big thing with grip is so important, especially if it's icy or you're in bumps and moguls it's really important to learn how to moderate your edge angle with your ankles and to be able to let that edge off or bring it on when you need that speed control and grip uh, how to move is the fourth one so that's basically how to manage the forces underneath your feet um, and manage that pressure that you're feeling from the mountain and the snowboard so how to move is all about you know using your lower joints your hips your knees and your ankles to really master those forces that are coming through the board and how to blend is the last one so that's basically just combining all the five skills and um, so you're actually riding like a pro out on the hill Wow, you, you really do start from the ground up in in everything from where to stand on the board. I guess that's uh, it really is beginner, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's one of these things is even people that have ridden for ten years, and um, when I've taken them through the online snowboard school progression, um, you know, it's kind of going back to the fundamentals. And it was like, man, I didn't even learn this stuff, you know, ten years ago when I was first learning. And then once they actually start to try some of these tactics or movements, and um, you just see the skill level skyrocket. So the way I describe it is. You know, Mason, if you were to go to the gym and like get a personal trainer, they would isolate specific muscle groups like your biceps, your triceps, your quads, and they would give you like individual exercises for those specific areas. The five how to's is the same thing except for your snowboarding skills. So it's just like isolating those skills. You're using specific movements to develop like the movement pattern or the cognitive input. And then boom, once you've kind of learned that and solidified it in your writing, you can move on to the intermediate one and then the expert one. I imagine you get a lot, of, especially in the snowboarding world, you get a lot of people who just learn things wrong because it was self-taught. Like with any sport, you know, if you do it yourself, chances are you're doing it, you know, slightly wrong and it's, <laughs> it's, you're suffering, your sport's suffering because of it. So it's funny, like, I mean, there's no right or wrong in snowboarding, only consequences. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so the, the one thing I always say is like, there is no like, I, I guess there's bad technique. However, it's just, I call it inefficient technique. So, you know, people are paying like seven, $800 for a snowboard now. Um, and if you're like kicking with your back foot or you're not actually using the equipment, you're basically wasting all that money you've just spent on a snowboard. And um, because if you're like kicking your back foot, you're not using the side cut, you're not using the rebound from the board, and you're basically just not going to have as much fun on it. So if you can just tweak your technique a little bit and become more efficient, you'll actually be able to use the equipment a lot more of how it's actually meant to be used. So speaking of you know using the equipment and, and taking your lessons, when someone uses watch and ride, where are they typically, and what where's the pla like? Are they standing on something? Are they in their living room? Um, <laughs> what, what does it look like uh, ideally to you? Yeah, for sure. So most of the people we've got in the school, they will, you know, learn at home. So they'll watch the lessons, they'll digest the content. So every lesson has like a keys to success infographic after it as well. So it just reinforces the video. So what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. And then I also have a section after each lesson called your snowboard IQ. So, you know, it's like your IQ in life, but your snowboard IQ is just your intelligence on your board and how you understand the mountain or you can pick your line. 
So with that, we have them digest all the content at home. And then I have a whole bunch of content that's basically, you know, how to have a, an effective practice session, how to get the most out of your practice session. So what we say to people is, you know, try and pick two or three of the lessons from the school and go out and practice those by yourself. Because if you're trying to do all of them, it's like information overwhelm. And right. um, so, you know, pick one how to and kind of pick two or three lessons from that how to. So once they've learned at home, they'll go and practice out on the slopes. And then what we've had people do is, you know, they'll go in and they'll have their coffee and they'll pull their phone out. They'll maybe watch the lesson again just to get a refresher and then go back out and practice themselves. Digest it and then go out there and make mm. it happen. And, and uh, yeah, that, that, that definitely makes it uh, a lot more efficient with your time for, you know, how expensive, mm. you know, maybe if they're renting gear, if they're just starting out or lift tickets are obviously really pricey now. And so mm -hmm. that does make the most of their time. Absolutely. And it's funny. One of the, the big things I heard from clients too was, you know, if I'm out here with my friends or my family, you know, it'd be great to take a lesson, but we're not all the same ability level. So we end up splitting up the group. So, you know, I have to either be in a two hour group lesson or like a six hour private. And then that's time I could be out with my buddies on the slope. So with this, you know, what we've heard is people are like, you know, it's great. We actually get to practice together. Or it's super fun to do some of these together. Uh, so yeah, it just makes that nice thing where you can be with your friends and family rather than having, you know, to be in a lesson. So you're saying you're getting feed, the feedback from people about, you know, what you just said. Have you gotten a lot of feedback? What's the reception of uh, this program? Yes, yeah, so it's been great. So, oh my goodness, we've got like 50 five-star reviews now. So it's nice. definitely growing. So as people are just getting into it, and I, I found with almost the marking of this, there is a bit of an education cycle for people. Um, so it's actually like, yeah, okay, I can learn online. This is a viable solution. And it's not just some crackpot that doesn't know how to snowboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just showing people that, yeah, there is a system here that you can follow. Um, it's a proven progression. And yeah, just keep working your way through the progression and practicing. And yeah, you'll be writing like a pro at the end of it. Wow. And now did the, has the current success uh, surprised you at all? Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely like slow growth at the start and um, being a, like a self-funded startup, we didn't have a big marketing budget. So it was about yeah doing those kind of things that don't scale to do things that do scale. Um, so I definitely noticed uh, an uptake in the signups once we released the beginner series because um, that definitely opened the market for us a bit because with um, the intermediate and expert snowboarders, um, there's more of an education cycle there because they're like, you know, I can get down a blue run and a black run. Why do I need to take a lesson? So it was a bit of a harder, harder education cycle there. Whereas with people that are stuck on one edge or they want to learn to snowboard, but I've never tried it. This is a really easy entry point for them and, um, you know, to kind of whet their appetite and get a taste of what instruction and improvement feels like. Now, now is there a certain lesson you've taught or a certain skill uh, you've taught that has either corrected a lot of misconception or been like the most popular? Um, oh yeah, for sure. I guess there's a, there's a beginner lesson in the Master of the Mountain series called Tunnel Turns. Um, okay. So I guess the most common thing you'll see with people is either being on their back foot kicking with their back foot or their upper and their lower body or out of alignment. So with that tunnel turns lesson in the online snowboard school, it really focuses people to turn with their lower body. So they're basically, you know, it, imagining a tunnel straight down the slope and they're not allowed to drift outside of that tunnel so it's basically just sliding down and you're using your lower joints to spin the snowboard from edge to edge so that's a big eye opener for people that they're like oh like turning should be effortless like I don't need to like huck my body to get this board to turn it's just about using the, the lower joints and then releasing the edge so that you can actually pivot the board in a flat base so that's the one we've always seen people be like oh man that was a huge eye opener for me oh wow so, so what has been the most rewarding feedback to you oh um I guess we got one of the the testimonials that was basically like um you know, this was more detailed than like a six hour private lesson with an instructor at a resort. So that for me was kind of what I was was aiming for when I built this was like, 
I want this to be like a comprehensive learning solution for people so that it can get basically their one-stop shop for snowboarding knowledge and that there was enough content that like people wouldn't get bored and they could actually go out and, you know, practice regularly. And, you know, even if they were a weekend warrior, you know, up there just every weekend or whether they were up for the full season or a week on holiday, they had enough content that they could actually see a good improvement over their time on snow. Oh, man, that has to feel good as an instructor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It was super rewarding for sure. And what we're we're working on now, so October time, we're going to be releasing Snowboard Fit. Um, so it's basically a whole bunch of exercises you can do at home or in the gym. So we broke it down into four modules. So it was like, you know, balance and coordination, strength, endurance and mobility. So kind of the four keys to, to have to be successful on a snowboard. Because what I saw when I was like teaching these instructor training programs or even public lessons is people try to do too much too quickly after doing too little for too long. And then you end up with these crazy injuries in snowboarding, you know, like ACLs, broken wrists, things like that. So um, hopefully with this snowboard fit program, we're actually going to get people's bodies prepped um, so they can actually be a lot more successful and they don't feel drained or exhausted when they're on their snowboard and they can actually focus on shredding hard and they can ride for the whole day rather than just doing, you know, a couple hours or heading home at lunchtime. I like that too, uh, too much too soon after, or yeah, <laughs> what you just said. I really like yeah, that. That's, yeah. that's, that's a real problem. I mean, I get in that cycle when I, you know, take a few months off or something and I just want to hit it hard and end up getting hurt right yeah. away. And I think that's what people don't realize is snowboarding is a contact sport. And um, so, yeah, when your body's not used to taking those falls or it's not prepped and it's not strong and it's not supple and flexible and um, yeah, you can really end up with some nasty injuries there. And so this program, Snowboard Fit, coming out in October, it sounds like the program altogether is doing well enough to expand on. Yeah, absolutely. So we're like, oh my goodness, Mason, we're um, 1,150 students so far. So it's been growing nicely. So that's the thing for me is just, you know, balancing up, you know, membership revenue with adding new content. So we're looking for some good growth this year. I've just brought on a marketing manager. So up until now, I've been doing everything myself. And so you're juggling a lot of balls. So it'll be nice to bring on that marketing manager to help focus on the digital side of things. And then I can focus on the content side of things. Um, so what we'll be filming this year as well is like a bumps package, so bumps and moguls, a trees package, a basic freestyle, and then carving as well. So we're just looking at building out those modules for the school. So it's 120 bucks for a one-year seasons pass. And um, so hopefully the way we'll get people renewing is just by adding fresh content and uh, keeping them engaged that way. As as the teacher uh, and the content creator. Do you foresee any shortage of information that you can continue putting out there for a snowboarding <laughs> sport? Oh no, man! It's like it's endless. Like really? snow, I, I always say, it's um, the science of snowboarding. It's so funny. Like there's literally so many little tactics that you can try and um, that just expand your skill set. So it's literally endless. And every season, like, you know, I have a good couple of buddies and we're always riding. And every time we're riding, we're like, what about this? What about that? Like, did you feel this? Did you feel that? How about trying this to feel that? So it's just this constant information share um, to really try and always like <clears throat> boost performance on a board, boost control, because that's the one thing for me is like, I hate that feeling on a snowboard when you're out of control and it's just impending doom. <laughs> so the one thing for me is just like that feeling of control and board performance and feeling the rebound from the board. So we're always playing with ideas just to how we can maximize that. So you're constantly learning yourself. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the that's the key to any sport or to life is just um, what's that Japanese philosophy, Kaizen, so it's everyday improvement. Um, so that's the big thing for me is every time I step on my snowboard, I'm like, what can I learn today? Or what new feelings can I get today? Because um, there's always that ability just to get that extra little bit. Man, uh, congratulations. 1,100 people. That's no joke. That's, that's, a, that's a small town you've talked about snowboarding. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's been, yeah, it's been a slow, slow and steady, slow and steady roll. So it's nice. We're finally getting there and starting to build, uh, build some of that momentum for sure. And now is this what you're doing full time? Are you still teaching uh, in person? Um, so 
teaching in person. So I do. So it's the Canadian Association of Snowboard Instructors. So um, I do exams for them. So that's kind of how I pad my time in the winter. And then it was actually last year. So watching right when I first started it, I went through Accelerate Okanagan's Venture Acceleration Program. So they're the tech incubator or tech accelerator in Kelowna. So it was funny, it was actually after the season ended last year, and um, I saw like a role posting for there. So it was to be their scale up lead. So working with the companies that are making over a million dollars a year, and they're basically trying to scale. So when I applied for the job, it was actually Shelby was like, man, for the stage watching rides at, it'd be awesome to kind of be around that area, get like the knowledge, build the network. And um, so I took that role last June. So it's been incredible just to kind of be around some of the business mentors, see different business models and um, different business industries, and then just kind of build the knowledge that way. And then just to try and applying everything to watch and ride on the back end. And how has that, has that helped quite a bit? being there oh yeah for sure man it's definitely like you see some of your blind spots or some of the things you may, you weren't maybe thinking about and especially in terms of like the sales and marketing process and um, it's been very beneficial for that for sure and um, so coming into the winter time and um, yeah i'll be reducing there and then basically hitting watch and ride a lot more full time uh, so it'll be kind of like november end of october november is when things really start to ramp up for me on the online snowboard school so, you know, with, with, with doing this, uh, just, man, just really shoestring, but just doing it, just making it happen. What, what has been just, I don't know, kind of one of the most challenging aspects that you didn't foresee when you're just taking something you love and trying to turn it into hmm. a career, you know? Uh, oh, great question, Mason. So I think the, the big thing or the, the easiest thing was probably like building the product. Like that's where the bread and butter was. And, um, you know, I, I was so passionate about it. it. You know, that came really easy, even if it was long days or I was doing a lot of traveling to do the filming or anything, it, it never felt like work. So I think the hardest part came, um, you know, being self-funded. So, I mean, I've spent about $60,000 on it so far and, you know, building the product, incorporating the company, the lawyer bills and, you know, some of the initial marketing costs and the website costs. So as I've, you know, built the product, it was really that thing of, oh, now I have to sell this and market it. And I think that's been one of the biggest challenges is just having a limited budget and um, is really getting eyeballs and awareness to to the site and actually showing people that they can learn online. So the big thing for me now is just, uh, you know, using customer testimonials before and after videos so people can actually see their peers and like, oh, that looks like me and I want to look like that now. Um, so, yeah, trying to build it out that way. So definitely it's learning like there's a whole business side to the product because I mean it was almost one of those things like build it and they will come like I'm sure you've heard that expression before and yeah I almost kind of blindly believed that a little bit and um, so it was really learning the whole sales and marketing skills and the business skills to go along with the product so so none of that pursuit has diminished uh, your love for doing this or your desire to to make it happen no not at all man like there's definitely been some uh, some frustrating days I guess but then the thing for me is I always come back to the why, like, why, why did I start this? Why am I doing it? And really that was because like tuition isn't accessible or affordable for a lot of people. And I've had such an amazing time snowboarding and I've learned so many life lessons through snowboarding and those experiences I've had. I want other people to be able to have those experiences too. And, you know, I believe there's no better way to spend a day using your body like out in mother nature, whether that be on a snowboard, mountain biking, anything like that. So the more I can get people outdoors and actually being in control and, you know, having a good time and they have the skills to actually have variety in what they're doing. Uh, that's really what I'm aiming for, for sure. Speaking of, you know, what are you aiming for? What, what would you like Watch and Ride to become, say, ideally in an ideal world? What would you be your perfect scenario, what it looks like? Oh, man, great question. Um, definitely whew, have a whole bunch of different modules there covering all aspects of snowboarding or the, all the aspects of snowboarding skills. And then for me, I think the big thing I'd like to see is 
with retail stores or manufacturers, every board boots or binding sold is sold with a watch and ride membership. Um, that would just be a no brainer for me. So if someone's actually getting gear, whether it be for the first time or if they're, you know, a lifelong snowboarder, um, when they buy their new gear, they're actually getting armed with the knowledge to, to know how to use it properly and have the most fun with it. And the big thing for me as well is, you know, I've seen some crazy injuries out snowboarding and it's just it's literally been from lack of awareness or safety knowledge and um, so the big thing I've always tried to instill in the school is those you know safety points and building the mountain awareness and the snowboard IQ as I call it so that people can actually make good decisions when they're out snowboarding because like I said there's no good or bad you know it's just consequences so if people start to weigh that up and learn like okay if I do this or if I jump off this thing or if I spin off this and um, what's the consequence of, of doing this and hopefully the more people are educated on that and the more they can kind of make better decisions injuries and collisions will go down and people's fun and experience will go up oh man you just you just really want to see people out there having a good time that's that's awesome oh, yeah yeah man absolutely because you know for me like um you know, I was one of those people like, you know, you know, learning on a dry ski slope, I ended up with some bad technique and everything like that. And, you know, even though I was having an amazing time in steamboat and when I was learning, when I did that snowboard instructors course, yeah, when I was like 2021, 20, um, it just completely opened my eyes to the science of snowboarding. And once I started to, to learn those techniques, it just completely changed the game for me. And those kind of, you know, fears of being out of control or going too fast completely dissipated because it was like, oh, I have the skills to be able to to ride fast, to ride hard, to ride long and to be out all day. And so, yeah, it was really wanting to give that experience to other people. And I think, man, I think this is, it's a great combination for people, you know, buying their first board and set up just to have a subscription to your videos for like a year. I mean, Gosh, you know how much money people spend on this kind of stuff just to have your lesson for 150 bucks a year yeah. is like that is not that's like a boot, you know, half a boot. <laughs> oh yeah, and like it's crazy. I was just, uh, I was looking at this the other day. Uh, a six hour private in Aspen at Christmas time is 990 US. Uh, six hours. Oh my yeah, gosh. which is insane. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's get got out of hand. And even lift tickets now, you're looking at you know some places two hundred and twenty dollars a day just to get out on the hill. Um, so yeah, lessons are the last thing on people's mind, but also one of the most important. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you get it. You you spend all that money and you get out there and you don't know anything you're doing. You're gonna hate it. You're just gonna absolutely hate. It. You have nothing to work on. You have nothing in like, yeah, like, like they might have not ever tried it after watching your video, but at least they have like, okay, here's the five things I need to try or watch out for. You know what I'm saying? It gives you yeah, just a basis. It was, it was so funny too, Mason. Like when I used to live up at the ski hill too, um, you know, you call them seasoners or whatever, people that are, you know, working on the mountain all, all winter. And, you know, when it came to like February and March time, you'd start to see, you know, at the beginning of the season, they were out every single day. And then when it got towards the end of the season, they were like, oh, like I'm bored or whatever. And you're like, what? How are you bored? Like you could be like <laughs> constantly improving. And that was just the fact that they had no kind of basis or anchor point for their where their improvement came from because they didn't want to pay for a lesson. And, you know, because they were working in a bar or something, didn't have the money to pay for it. But um, that was the thing for me. It's like, hey, if you can learn online and then just go and practice yourself and then you'll never get bored again when you're snowboarding because you can always be doing some of these movements or techniques. Keep getting that control and then, yeah, just keep expanding your creativity on the snowboard. Yeah, I guess if you don't know what you're missing, you, you just don't know. You just mm. you don't even have an idea. So it's, it takes people like you that understand a sport really well to be able to say, Hey, here's a whole area you're not even addressing that could give mm. you just so much more fun, so much more enjoyment out here. That's great. Because yeah. I guess the big one you hear with snowboarders too is they're always like, oh, I hate bumps or I hate moguls. And it's like, have you ever taken a bumps or a mogul lesson? And they're like, nope. And it's like, well, man, bumps are one of the funnest things in a snowboard if you know how to ride them. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's so great that you know all this and you're being able to teach it. What what, what advice would you have for somebody who... Uh, who maybe loves the sport as much as you um, and maybe wants to, to, to turn it into something more like you're doing? Oh, man. Like, um, 
great like the thing that really got me kick-started was one of they're called like gap programs or instructor training programs so there's some really cool businesses that do them like you know non-stop ski snow school and um, nothing but snow so these are those kind of uh, 12-week programs where your flights are paid for, your accommodations paid for, and then you're on snow Monday to Friday with, you know, a level three or a level four instructor. Um, so that for me would really be, you know, if you want to immerse yourself in it, go and join one of those kind of programs. Or if not, go to your local ski hill. You can do your level one. Um, I believe most level ones cost around three or 400 bucks. Um, so it's usually a three-day course and you learn um, everything on those three days, you know, from the system. You do like a practice teach and then you do like your exam teach. Um, so that's just a really easy entry point. You get your level one and then you just apply at the ski school and then you can start teaching lessons. So yeah, so there's kind of two routes. One's more expensive, but if you just go and get your level one, it's such an easy entry point um, into instruction. Awesome. And now how can people find out more about Watch and Ride? Amazing. So the best place would be just Instagram. So it's just at watch and ride. So definitely check out those SB quick tips in there. there there's tons of them. And um, so that'll give you a really good flavor with those short snappy tips. And then definitely sign up for a free trial. And also Mason, I would love to uh, offer your fans and listeners 50% off their membership with the adventure sports coupon. So I can definitely hook you up with a link for that one. Um, other places would be the Facebook page and um, which is just watch and ride as well. And then we have the the Ride Tribe by Watch and Ride. So that's our kind of group portal um, on Facebook just for members or fans of Watch and Ride where people kind of share their experience on the snow or like, I'm practicing this or I'm practicing that. What are you finding is working? What are you feeling is not working? So just trying to get that share. So we're really trying to build out that group to get the peer-to-peer -peer learning happening as well. Oh, fantastic, man. And thank you for that. We'll absolutely promote it. It's hard, it's hard to believe... <laughs> Ski and snowboard seasons coming up, coming up on us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I just saw this post. It was like a hundred days to go or whatever. And I was like, what? The summer went by so quick. Oh, I um, know it. But yeah, it's that old Game of Thrones hashtag winter is coming for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Fraser, thank you so much for joining us today. This was great. You're obviously, uh, I can just tell you're just a fantastic teacher. Um, you make it approachable, which I always appreciate. You know, I hate when you know, the sport's too cool for new people. You know what I'm saying? So I, oh, I yeah. appreciate talking to somebody like you as an introduction to a sport that I'm not super familiar with. Nice, man. Absolute pleasure. I'm glad I could help. Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.